Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Loretta Brown. She's the National Catholic Register's Washington-based staff writer. Loretta, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. So based out of Washington, uh, as we were talking before we got on, you're, you're in the middle of it all, and that's probably not a good thing. But you just came out with a recent article that I would encourage people to read uh, called Democrats Push to Enshrine Contraception, Same-Sex Marriage into Federal Law. And uh, it really is a good article and a summary of kind of what's going on. And, you know, as you were doing the article, um, you know, how did how did you feel when it came to look at, you know, that's, you know, these are Catholics pushing these agendas with, you know, wearing the democratic cape. Yeah, certainly it was, it was in some ways it's sad to see, right. To see people identifying as Catholic, but then pushing these, these issues, not just as, you know, things they, they think are good, but they talk about, you know, language of rights, you know, right to contraception or a right to the same sex marriage. Um, so there was that sad element of it. I mean, I think in, in the years that I've covered politics, though, unfortunately, I've, I've gotten quite used to, to seeing this is, um, you know, people uh, being being Catholic, talking about their faith, but turning around and disregarding some some central church teachings and teachings additionally that, I mean, they, they are, you know, elements of the church teaching, but they're also things that I think naturally are, are good for society and that the Pope talks about as being good for society. The catechism talks about it, right? There's a reason for these things, um, for, for having, you know, marriage between a man and a woman and um, contraception, you know, not being, not being allowed in church teaching. So it's, it's saddening to see, to see this push for sure. Well, and, you know, I guess it's not surprising, right? They went off the deep end with the Dobbs decision that came out, you know, a little while ago, although everybody knew what was going to happen. Um, but really what they're trying to do is the same thing that Roe versus Wade did was kind of trump state rights, right? They're trying to eliminate the states to have the ability to regulate themselves, which is really what this nation was founded on, not for have the federal government be this, uh, you know, giant hammer to continue to hammer people and that they're doing the exact same thing right this is really a a reaction to what happened to Dobbs and obviously an overreaction isn't it well right and you know there's a lot of language that I've seen about this just being unnecessary so um you know Justice Thomas in his opinion in, in Dobbs talked about revisiting substantive due process precedents, right? So, um, you know, just kind of the legal basis for Roe, he talks about the the legal basis for some of the court's other decisions related to, to marriage and contraception, that those should be reconsidered, that those should be looked at, um, you know, because of these concerns he has about it. And so that was what caused the Democrats to say, oh, you know, we need to enshrine these things in, in federal law. And um, but but the funny thing is, you know, the the majority of the justices did not agree with Justice Thomas here, you know, regardless of your opinion on the issue. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, something that I think anyone is truly alarmed will be revisited anywhere in the near future. Um, you know, these are these are things that public opinion is very firmly, you know, in favor of and 
it doesn't seem like there's a political will to go after these things. So in some ways, it is just kind of a messaging ploy, and it is unnecessary. You know, in addition to being, um, you know, as you mentioned, like states' rights, it's it's a bit of a overreach. Like if you're reading the legislation, it talks about you know ha- having the states all recognize right, the, the validity of marriages um, for, from other states, and just kind of bypassing you know each individual state's. Um, pro- unique processes for this. Um, so it's it's both, you know, it's kind of unnecessary and it's also just disregarding, you know, the will of the people in the different states as, as well. But, you know, when you read this and I'm, you know, thinking about it, going through it and reading your article and several other articles as well, um, it almost seems like they're going to be shooting themselves in the foot because there are going to be legal challenges to what's going on here. And, you're going to end up bringing a case before eventually to the Supreme Court to address something that probably never would have been addressed without this overreach. Right. It's something where if you're adding the definition of marriage, making that so broad or making the because, I mean, in part of the bill, it doesn't even say it needs to be two individuals. Um, So there's been questions raised about like polygamy and that sort of thing. If if one state recognizes it, right, would all the states recognize it? And there's all sorts of there's questions of of religious freedom concerns for both these pieces of legislation, the the contraception and the the marriage one. And that does seem to be inviting. Yeah, just these legal battles that seem like they would just be a big mess. And we've seen giant messes, right? Just look at Jack the cake baker, how many times he's been attacked because of his conscience and his faith not wanting to bake cakes for same-sex couples really because this will squash people's religious freedom it'll bring many more of those cases and the government being you know overly heavy-handed and coming down on anybody who has uh, a moral uh, foundation who would fight this and when it talks about the rights of the people who want to get married and, and it totally ignores the rights of the faithful, doesn't it? Well, exactly. And and that's something that I just keep hearing, um, you know, these, these concerns about even in the language of the Obergefell decision, right, that widely legalized same-sex marriage, they talked about, um, you know, people who, who believe in traditional marriage, who hold that view, um, you know, they they may be opened up to discrimination in light of this. And we don't want that, right? The court talked about not wanting that and, and pointing to, you know, traditional marriage has been the central view of society for so long. And in this legislation, the, some of the language, um, you know, in it just seems like it would, it would open religious institutions up to more scrutiny and, and more lawsuits. And because it, it talks about, you know, someone acting under the color of, of state law not being permitted to discriminate and that i've i've heard people talk about now how that could be applied to you know religious charitable organizations nonprofits who work with the government in some respects and you know and and we've this isn't a new thing as you mentioned right we've seen this with um with all these different agencies um you know catholic foster care that industry of they've been shut out in a lot of ways because because of their views on on traditional marriage and I, I yeah i could only see that really continuing this as a reminder i saw an article just the other day uh and somebody went back and has looked over all the countries in the world only 33 of 195 have redefined marriage right so to your point 
you know, thousands of years, marriages between a man and a woman. And so it is really the minority in terms of number of countries that are trying to redefine this. And, you know, even in the Oberfeld decisions, if you read Justice Kennedy's reasoning, it's all about emotion, right? There's no there's no logic to it. It's all about wanting people to feel needed and all these things. And it really is a false compassion when we try to look at marriage as something that as long as it makes you happy, then we're going to count that as a marriage and not have any kind of standard whatsoever. Right. And to the point of, um, you know, Obergefell talked about marriage in terms of they just defined it as between two people. But the questions raised now with this legislation, not not doing that in, in a portion of it, um, it's really I feel like could open it up to so many more things um, with, you know, yeah, polygamy, because I think once you abandon, um, you know, the the traditional view of marriage, <laughs> there's really not there's really not kind of a, a substantial argument you can make um regarding you know, it being limited to two people, um, you know, just all these other elements of it. And so it is something that's just opened, opened up to so many other things now. Yeah, and I don't think that's by accident, right? You, you leave the barn door open so everything can get in and out, and we're not worried about, we don't limit ourselves to this. And again, you know, this, you know, we say, you know, the Democrat, Democrats push to enshrine these things, well, let's remember, 47 Republicans joined the Democrats in the House in passing this, you know, including, you know, the 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 January 6th tribunal of Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger and and a host of others. So Republicans are buying into this false narrative. And, you know, it almost feels like, you know, if you're a Republican or a conservative, you know, you're almost going to feel disenfranchised because who knows what the Senate's going to end up doing, because it, it appears that there are a large number and they only need 10 of Republican senators who are sympathetic to this. Well, certainly. And I think part of part of that is that public opinion has shifted fairly dramatically since the Obergefell decision. And so, you know, around that time, Gallup polling had the majority of Republicans opposed to same-sex marriage and now it's a, a little over half are in favor and so i think there's there's pressure right from just public opinion that the republicans feel and so they're either being more silent on this issue or they're they're quote-unquote evolving right they're they're changing their stance on it and some of them um you know in voting for this in the house talked about changing their their ideas on it and it is something where I think a lot of, of Republicans and certainly a lot of, of people with faith values want, want to stop and say, hey, like, you know, the Republican Party platform talks about traditional marriage, right? And this, how central of an issue is this for the party, right? And, and will, will this continue to be? Because um, if people are just, um, you know, listening to public opinion and, and willing to evolve, you know, are, are we having a serious conversation about, um, you know, marriage and, and its impact on society and, you know, thinking this out? <laughs> or are we just sort of, um, you know, doing what worried about, you know, the, the politics of something or the optics of something? Um, so I think 
that's that that's the conversation that some people are are having and and wondering about because it does seem like yeah there's there's been a shift and it it does um it really is taking a stand to as a politician to stop and say you know i i view marriage as you know between a man and a woman and i think that that's the better thing for society um that's that's becoming you know a lonelier stand and so it's it's something that I think there, yeah, politicians really need to reflect on, you know, why they're standing for the things that they are, um, because it does seem like, yeah, there's just more and more pressure on them here. And um, Republicans certainly, yeah, they've been, they've been <laughs> evolving, right, changing on this issue. And so yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the Senate, but yeah. Yeah, they, they oh, have yeah. no backbone or spine to stand up to this. And I remember seeing a, an interview with Rob Portman, who's a senator out of Ohio, who was for traditional marriage until he found out his son was in a same-sex relationship. And he tried to explain how, because he loved his son, he had to change his stance. Well, things are either right or wrong. And just because our kids do or make decisions doesn't mean our moral foundation should change because we love our kids. If we love our kids. That should strengthen our moral foundation and want to show them the importance of marriage, the importance of life and those type of things. And so when you see those kind of things, it's it's really it, it's, it's sad to see that out of the, you know, this false compassion of wanting to continue a relationship with a child, which I get. I have several children. And but the bottom line is right is right. And it's always right. Wrong and wrong. And it's always wrong. And these people are morphing to give this compassion to their children. And it, it really is uh, dishonest when it comes to moral teaching and natural law. And I think, you know, if you look at this, uh, Loretta, this really is an attack on children, right? It's an attack on children saying, you know what, children, it doesn't matter if you have a mom and her dad. Two moms are just as good or two dads or anything else that opens the door. Isn't this really another attack on children that we've seen from several different angles? Certainly. And I think one thing is the surrogacy industry, right? I've reported on on that. And it's it's something that's very troubling um, is that, yeah, many of these these couples that they choose to to have children and, and they go about it that way. There's even more things in the mix at that point. Right. Because we talk about a, chi- a child, um, you know, having a mother and, and father and that being healthy and good for them, right? Study after study um, shows that, and, and we see that. But um, with with surrogacy now, there's <laughs> there's you know like the the egg donor, and there's there's multi, the woman carrying the child. Often it's just, they can sometimes be not the same person, right? And there's so there can be like you know three or four adults involved in in this one child coming about, and then the child doesn't have. Um, at home, right? The mother and the father. And so, I mean, that's just one, uh, I guess, part element of, of this conversation, but it is, it is something that I think, um, you know, as you say, yeah, people, people should think about the impact this this has on children um, and, and, you know, who they're, um, who, who is, is is in their life and um, how it affects them not having a mother and a father. Well, I guess I guess that's kind of the point, right? I mean, it's all about the feelings of adults without really any care for children, right? Children 
become a commodity. And I'm sure, you know, as you cover, you know, the surrogacy and what's going on, right? Sometimes there's a mistake and there just was recently, right? I think I couldn't remember the couple, they wanted a boy and they had a girl or, or vice versa. And so now they were furious and they weren't sure they wanted the child. And and then the child, think about the child being born and you're trying to explain to a child who mom and dad are, that you don't need mom and dad. I mean, it's hard enough to raise children. Now, imagine putting those kind of things in their head so that they feel like nobody loves me and I'm just this thing out here that you bought on the open market. Right, exactly. It's it's something, especially in these scenarios where, and they have, you know, they have a law around this, contracts and everything, but there these scenarios where, you know, the parents who, you know, commissioned this the child, um, for whatever reason, yeah, it's a boy instead of a girl, or there've been cases where the baby had Down syndrome. Um, and yeah, these children are, are disregarded and that's so difficult and sad um, to see these situations arise. But yeah, I think the very industry just lends itself to that because it is, you know, kind of implicitly saying, yeah, you know, that this is, uh, this is what the adult wants, you know, not thinking as much about, well, what's the be- what's best for the child in these scenarios? Well, there was, uh, I saw an interview with Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, who was in a same-sex relationship. They just had two kids through, I don't know if it was adoption or surrogacy, I don't remember which. But, you know, he was dumbfounded that people weren't congratulating him. And then when some in the Senate say they're not going to vote for this, he felt personally offended, like you're not, you're not, you know, embracing my relationship and my happiness. And again, it's all about me, myself, and I. There's never a thought about what's best for the kids, what's best for society, you know, what's what fundamentally, you know, natural law, why God created man and woman. It's all about me, and it, it, it's sad to see people so self-focused because they lose perspective and doesn't everybody end up paying the price it's very sad to see and i think i think going back to one of your earlier points about you know um of course we love people and we love people who have same-sex attraction and who struggle with with all these things and are, are outliving these lives but i think it it's difficult nowadays in debate to to make these distinctions and say i disagree you know with you having a, a child via surrogacy um you know with you entering into a same-sex marriage um i i don't think that's good for you um you know i don't think that's healthy um for you for the child right it's i think it's getting increasingly difficult to have these conversations and and say you know i i care about you and and love you and, you know, want what's best for you. But I I disagree with, with these lifestyle, you know, choices you've made with these, with these, um, you know, things that you've, you've chosen to do. And so I think that's another element of it and something that, um, yeah, is, has just been very difficult at a time when discourse is so polarized, right? If, If you disagree with someone's politics, sometimes they assume that, that, you know, you, you want violence or something, or you, you know, they just, they jump to bad conclusions when really all you're saying is, you know, I disagree with this one thing and I still care about you. Right. I still, um, you know, I still like you and love you. Right. And, and want what's best for you, but I just, we, we have a disagreement. Right. So I think it's so key to be able to make that, those distinctions and still have these conversations. And unfortunately, I think that's just getting more and more difficult. 
Well, I couldn't agree with you more, but that's our call as Catholics, right? And hopefully all Christians to speak the truth in love, but to speak the truth, because when we deny the truth, it really is just to make us feel better. It's not any sign of love for that individual because that we're looking out for, you know, their best interests or to will the good of the other. It's all about, I want people to like me. And then, you know, in this pagan world, compliance seems to be the virtue, not not telling the truth and and living it and showing it in a loving way. And, you know, we were talking about contraception, right? Contraception is an, an intrinsic evil. You know, it's us telling God, you know what, you can be in any part of my life, but when I shut the bedroom door, you're not welcome. And we see, you know, them trying to force pharmacists to provide these prescriptions and prescriptions. And again, it's an attack on people's religious beliefs and their freedom. And it's just another way to chip away at the moral foundational teachings of of the faithful, isn't it? I think the the point about just speaking truth, when writing this, I was very struck by, um, you know, the U.S. Bishop's letter to the House, because they were very specific and clear about what they were objecting to and about speaking the truth, um, you know, about church teaching, but about what what's good for society, right? And, um, you know, especially on the contraception point, I think I, I didn't, I haven't looked recently right at the public uh, opinion polling on contraception, but it's, you know, m- most people think it's fine, right? Yeah. Um, and this this particular measure uh, has, I mean, even those who are for contraception oppose it, you know, widely among Republicans as well, because it, it opens the door to um, abortion drugs and it gives money to Planned Parenthood, right? It has all these other issues. But the bishops were very clear about saying, you know, contra- contraception diminishes respect for the dignity of the human person. They they went right out and said that. Um, and and they did talk about, right, these other concerns, the religious freedom concerns, the, the broad language here. Um, but but yeah, to continue to, to speak the truth about these these issues where, you know, certainly the, the Catholic Church is not in the in the majority right now on that. Well, and you know what, the way this world's going, if you're in the majority, you're going to be on the losing side. And, you know, the church should make people angry on both sides, because when you stand up for truth, neither side has has a full grasp of what the truth is. And that's but the only place that does is the church. And we do ourselves a great dis, disservice when we have high-profile Catholics who go against the teachings of the church yet try to proclaim that they're faithful in what they're doing. And, you know, I, I agree. I saw the letters from the USCCB and, you know, even Nancy Pelosi's bishop, you know, Archbishop Corleone spoke, but she doesn't listen to him anyway, right? Even though she's denied communion, she can go to the Vatican and receive communion. Um, but it really is these Catholics are trying to redefine the faith to people who aren't strong in the faith. And it really is, um, you know, a bad situation that to lead those people astray. And we know what the Lord says about that, don't we? It's very, um, I think the words are like scandalous and confusing because I think people who maybe haven't read up on, you know, the specific church teachings on a bunch of different issues, they'll hear, um, you know, yeah, for example, Speaker Pelosi, um, she often in her comments links her faith even to to abortion. Um, and it's very troubling because, yeah, someone hearing that might think, oh, maybe, you know, teaching has changed and or it's, it's something where every Catholic can decide for themselves. Right. There's so many ways that 
someone can be confused on that. And the Pope's been very clear, like when he talks about the abortion issue, saying the church teaching hasn't changed on that. And then, you know, the doc, the documents, right, church documents on that are very clear. And so I think Archbishop Cordelioni coming in and, um, and really reprimanding Speaker Pelosi um, for, for the way she talks about that and approaches it is good. It's helpful. Um, and it's, it is something where, yeah, hopefully these, these other Catholics who are, you know, going, going against church teaching, um, you know, on, on all these different issues. Uh, yeah, hopefully there's, there's more clarity there. Um, you know, either their, their bishops will speak up. I know there've been, there've been instances where the bishops have, have spoken up, even with, um, you know, president Biden, uh, you know, there've been instances where he said something about abortion, um, or, or marriage even, and the bishops have come out and said, yeah, you know, that's not, <laughs> that's not true. Like he's, he's a while back, he made a comment about, uh, he believes on faith that life begins at, at conception. And um, I forget now which bishops it, it was, but at the time they released a statement saying, you know what, actually it's, there's a kind of this robust scientific body of, of work out there, right? It's science that shows that life begins at conception. Um, you know, but also the faith affirms that. And also, you know, like you, this is a central church, church teaching, right? That, um, but it's also good for society, right? So they, they did all sorts of things to, I think this was back in like 2008 or 2009, but they clarified so thoroughly, like, listen, you know, it's, it's not just that the church is telling everyone on faith, you have to accept life begins at conception where there's, it's faith, it's science, it's reason, right? It's, and unfortunately, he did later abandon that position. He kind of shifted on on whether life begins at conception. I think it was last year in a statement he said he he doesn't think that anymore. So that was saddening to see as well. There have been a few bishops who spoke. I know Bishop Nauman's been pretty good, Bishop Strickland, and there's been others, but not enough. I think they all need to. You know, and then there's an article that just recently came out. A hundred businesses have signed a letter urging the Senate to pass this Respect for Marriage Act, which is anything but respect for marriage, Disney, Amazon, Apple, General Motors, AT&T, Tesla, Pepsi, you can go on and on. So there really is this attack on Catholic teaching. There's attack on moral foundation. And I think that's you writing this article is so important. How can people follow what you're doing, Loretta? So um, ncregister.com, we cover you know all these different faith issues, politics, such a wide range of issues and also uh, register radio. You can tune in, tune in on the website. <laughs> Thank you. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.